0: Welcome to Season 8 of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Today, you're going to be listening to a clip taken from the Exponential 2020 Conference. Bobby Harrington brought up Bill Hall and Jim Putman to respond to what Shadonke taught us about prayer and fasting in Episode 8 of this season. And as a disclaimer, the audio was kind of messed up when I received it, so I've doctored it up as best as I can. So please look past the quality and really listen to what these men are saying. There's some incredible stuff in this session on why we pray and why we fast and what our role is versus God's role in the whole thing. So check it out. This is Bobby, Jim, Bill, and Shidonke.
1: I'd like to ask a couple of special friends up. What we're going to do with each of these sessions is Shidonke is going to spend about 30 minutes with, with each of the key elements of a disciple-making movement, and then we're going to have some North American disciple-making practitioners come up and help us to reflect on it in a, a, a conversation. Uh, so the first two guests, I'm going to ask Bill Hull and Jim Putman if you'd be coming up. Uh, let me just say a, a word first about Bill and then about Jim. Uh, Bill Hull uh, has been involved uh, from the beginning with discipleship.org, as has Jim Putman. And uh, these two men not only are they really wise counselors, uh, personal practitioners in disciple making, but Bill has published in excess of 23, 24 books on discipleship and disciple making. Uh, he has literally spent uh, his life helping churches practice. Uh, disciple making his book the disciple making pastor is one of the most popular books in our country helping pastors to see what disciple making is uh, and bill has started the bonhoeffer project uh, which is here at this uh, conversation because uh, bill cares so much even in his 70s now he is just full head-on about disciple making so bill we're really glad to have you with us and to my right is my good friend, Jim Putman. Uh, Jim, many of you know of Jim through some of his books that he's written on disciple making. Uh, the book that he was the lead author on was an exponential theme book called Disciple Shift uh, several years ago. Jim not only leads a disciple making church that has literally transformed their community, but he's one of the founders of the Relational Discipleship Network of churches throughout not only the United States but around the world. And uh, Jim is uh, best described really as a player coach. And what we mean by that is he coaches, he strategizes around disciple-making, but he also lives it out every day uh, in his church and in his community. My father was a truck driver, and I used to tell people that uh, my dad had truck driver street smarts. He always seemed to, to understand what to do with a trucking company. And uh, sometimes I'll tell people, Jim Putman to me is like, like my dad. He's got church leadership street smarts about disciple making, how it works, how it doesn't, and uh, what to do about it. So I can't think of two better men than Jim and Bill to help us process through this first session. Now, I want you to know, I've talked to Jim and Bill extensively about fasting and prayer. About uh, what Shonke says about it. Because I do find that the biggest startling difference in disciple-making movements around the world and disciple-making efforts here in North America is our lack of focus around fasting and prayer that God would lead the way and open the doors. As Shadonke said, uh, if, if God opens the door, no one can close it. And if God closes the door, no one can open it. And uh, so we want to talk about it. And I want to start with you, Bill. Uh, just your first reflections, And then after you say a few words, I'm going to turn to Jim. So,
2: Bill? Well, thank you. Um, well, the first thing I thought of was I just scribbled down the word out of Acts chapter 2, the word awe. You know, there was a sense of awe about what God was doing through the apostles and the prophets. And, and uh, so when I hear what's happening with uh, in Sierra Leone, and I hear about these kinds of stories, I have this sense of awe. And even though it's somewhat separated from my daily life, my awe may be small letters, but these are capital letters, awe. So that's the first thing, and a sense of thankfulness to God. Uh, I think the second thing is that when it comes to prayer and fasting, as it relates to God moving, God working, and so on, that in America we have this problem with uh, misunderstanding the word grace. Uh, We think grace is passive, Uh, grace is lenient, and to violate our sense of grace, uh, we also have been told that we shouldn't try to make things happen, that we shouldn't, you know, dig down deep and work extra hard. In fact, we should just respond to God out of the abundance of our joy. Of course, which is contrary to most of our personalities and what's going on inside of us every day. And so, what I first, my, I think, is that we uh, that we don't really uh, there, well, prayer and fasting in the United States is one of the most unpopular activities for Christians that I can think of. Uh, as a pastor, if I were to, how could I get the least amount of people to come to a meeting? It would be to have a prayer meeting. Uh, Now, if I really wanted to double down and make it even smaller to where maybe I wouldn't even go, throw in fasting. (laughs) And so this is what we're up against in our country because, as Shanaki was saying, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh, that this, this is one of the strongholds that Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 that has to be taken down but you can't take it down with logic and reason and expertise and demographics uh, it's like going to a big war with a squirt gun uh, you need divinely powerful weapons and I think that prayer and fasting is that weapon. That that's the way we weaponize our faith, is in that way. And I think it's okay to be aggressive. I think it's okay to take action uh, because, as Bonhoeffer said, that faith is only real in obedience.
1: That's good. All right, Jim. What do you tell, tell us? What you're thinking, Jim Putman? You're listening to Shinonke, You're listening to Bill.
3: Um, well I would say this one of the things that we'll talk about a lot is you don't fight spiritual battles with physical tools as a church and, and we know that we've talked about that a lot but every time I hear Shidanki talk honestly I'm pretty deeply convicted that uh, I tend to go forward I've been doing this a long time and I kind of know what to do and what not to do and i and i assume that it's like other experiences and therefore rather than trusting the lord on some things i actually trusted my own experience and um, so it it's it's a really kind of a i don't know what the right word is a butt kicking maybe
1: <laughs> uh, two words yeah, yeah. uh so what I appreciate about what you're saying is it really requires of us that we take a step back, especially the more skilled you are. Like I was, you know, commending you because I, I really believe God's given you a lot of street smart wisdom about leadership and things like that. But actually your biggest strength could be a weakness then yeah. because that's what your default would be. All the things that you've learned over the years, so I, I, I think it's a normal thing, and I think the biggest barrier may be with uh, with us praying and fasting more. Maybe our successes, because yeah. the the better we get at things, then the more we just think that that that's what we do.
3: You know, I think as often the case, we maybe swing the pendulum too far. One of the my issues with most Christians is they pray too much. And do too little. And so if you don't swing, what I mean by that is, rather than actually um, walking by faith, they'll sit and, and and pray about somebody else doing it. Or, you know, I'll, I'll pray for you, whether they mean that or not. I'm not quite sure. But it does their prayer life doesn't actually get them doing very much. It's just praying that somebody else will do yeah. something, right? And so I've swung to the uh, the discipline of we're going to do stuff. But if you do if you do stuff, even the even like a, you know as as you were saying at the beginning, or a, actually it was a, um, a David video Young. Dave, David Young talking about you know I don't need to pray for the. Uh, you know to know what god's will is he's already given it to it in his word and it's to make disciples that make disciples right so what i tend to do is i get out there and get after it and and i and i'm walking in the spiritual realm dealing with the, with people and and i don't i just assume that god's got it because he said he's got it and i'm not necessarily connecting uh in a consistent, ongoing... I mean, in my personal life I am, but... And again, I'm just processing because I just heard it, so I'm, I've got to work through it some. But, but one of the things that I think I struggle with personally is, as a leader, I can get people insp- inspired. I can say, let's go do it, let's get after it. But I don't know that I lead str- as strongly to prayer as a group Uh, as as a disciple-making pastor, leading people to, we're going to get together, we're going to pray before we launch out together. I I don't lead people towards that as a, strongly enough, I think is where I'm wrestling in my own spirit. I
1: I just really appreciate your transparency uh, about that, because I think think if we're really all honest, we're going to say this is kind of the, the, the way of doing church we've inherited.
0: I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at Discipleship.org. It's our Discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms right now you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars seminars ebooks and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church and this is a community so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers and while membership is free there's also a premium access option which includes courses certifications and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world so head on over to discipleship.org and sign up for your free membership today.
1: So Bill and I are, are very close friends. We've talked about this over the years. And one of the things that I thought, Bill, and your wisdom that you brought up is the caution of a one-for-one relationship, where if you fast and pray, God will. And I just want to encourage you to jump in on this point.
2: Yeah, I think a direct cause and effect because that plays right into uh, the Americana in us, uh, which is this idea that oh, well, the reason we're not praying and fasting is because there's no real evidence that that's going to cause church growth, and that in, if you think about the American spirit and it is so deeply woven into us or in a, embedded in us. That we have a very difficult time respecting anything, showcasing anything that doesn't have big numbers. And so if I'm unsatisfied in my soul, then, then I'm lot more likely to, you know, there was a period of time back in the 80s in particular where there's a lot of prayer and fasting among pastors in the United States. It was a big movement. And at the end of that movement, there was no demonstrative growth, so people just said, well, that didn't work, so we laid it aside and we went to the next thing. And I think that this is part of the toxic to- a toxic part of our culture that I think can only actually be dealt with through prayer and fasting and uh, some real honest confession before God.
3: That's good. Um, Here's something I wrote in my notes over there, too, because I I totally, you know, we live in that world of unless you have some sort of major outcome. And I think one of the things that that struck me as most important is being a disciple before you make a disciple. Mm -hmm. And being a disciple means that you have a walk with Jesus, a prayer life, not so that he opens doors. I mean, that happens. Not so that He shows you a person of peace, but because there is no life on planet Earth apart from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you don't experience the spiritual... Um, you can go through the motions, you can do Christian things, but unless you're abiding in Christ, you don't bear any fruit. There's no strength in you. And so, if you're praying as a... Even if it's a good thing, like... I want to pray so that we reach people rather than I'm praying because I need you, Jesus. And then the result of that is we reach people because they see life in us. Then Jesus becomes another, uh, you know, a, a means to an end, you know, because we've decided the most important thing is reaching people. And I just think it's it's an easy thing to miss that I need more Jesus because I, even if I do the right things, if I don't have a walk with Jesus that strengthens me, because I can just tell you this, I've had all those big numbers, not, not these kind of big numbers, I can't even imagine that, but the, the, all these numbers didn't make me feel better. The numbers in and of themselves, it doesn't make you feel better. The the 5,000, the 10,000, all these numbers that you think will make you feel more significant or happier or whatever, those it doesn't work that way because there's always more people to win. There's always more things. And with every person comes a mouth, and wherever there's a mouth, there's a problem waiting to happen. You know, it's only in Christ that makes the big numbers or the little numbers satisfying at all. And and I think about the different missionaries I've known that have been praying the same sorts of things for years and years and years, but not had the results yet. They're just, you think about, um, you know, it, it, it's possible for you to have that kind of prayer life in India or wherever, but but God's working, He's preparing, He's doing all these things, but you don't see the outcome yet yeah. And, uh, you know, to have a viral sort of, sort of thing happen means that God's been laying down pathways for years and years and years. And there's a time and a place where there's a huge breakthrough that you had to go and others before the dark age, you know, had to lay down their life where they didn't experience all of that. But without that tilling up the soil and planting the seeds and all that, that wasn't going to happen yet. And I, and I, So I think in America, we're dealing with something different. I think if we keep preaching the word, there may come time when there are less people in our churches. Because just because you have more people in America in particular doesn't mean you're doing things more godly. It could mean that you're giving in on the things that that make the culture happy in hopes that they receive
1: the gospel. Yeah.
3: Right, so it may be that we pray more and give our lives more and serve more and do those things, and then I end
1: up with a bunch of martyrs.
3: Yeah. yeah. And
1: that kind of yeah. Okay. Let me let me just ask you this. Yes. Here, here's what we're uh, concerned about. We want to say yes to fasting and prayer is uh, the key to unlocking, but we want to say no to the American pragmatism. We're going to use God by fasting and prayer to give us the results we want. What do you say to us? in all that.
4: Well, I think one of the, one thing that all of us should learn is that if we want to practice Jesus, the Jesus lifestyle, this is the lifestyle of Jesus. If we are practicing other things that are the lifestyle of Jesus, why should we not practice this? It's very clear in Scripture. This was his lifestyle.
1: Yeah.
4: And if we are following him, then we have to practice his lifestyle. You know, it's, for everything in Scripture, there will always be challenges. People will misunderstand it; they will blow it out of proportion. That's natural. Even the best of what Jesus did, but that should not stop us from obeying yeah. what He told us to do. Right. So I think the first place is just, just following Him, as he's, as um, James said, is just follow Jesus. Look at his lifestyle, try to follow, do the things that he was doing. I think prayer and fasting is one thing that he does. But also in our own context, Jim says something that is very important. We don't pray and sit down or expect others to do it. That's why we ask him to use us as instrument of change. So we ask God for us to deal with us, use us. We come to you because we love you. We want to obey what you, you said in your word. We cannot obey out of our own flesh. We need all of you to help us. We read it in the word, and so we go out. So you realize that as we pray and we obey Him, we are not just praying and sitting back. We go out and help others. So we have seen God use the ordinary people. We've seen him use people that never went to school, have never gone to school, never ever. I know people that have not never went to school. But there are no more memory verses than people who have gone to school. They can quote it. They can explain scripture. I mean, there are people, if they stand to explain scripture to you, you will think that they went to school. They never went to school. But just like in the days of Paul and others, you realize that they have been with Jesus. Because there's this Jesus influence. The more you are with him, the more you spend deeper time with him, the more the influence of Jesus rubs on you. Yeah. And it's evident wherever you go. So that's one of the reasons. But also the reason why we we really spend time in prayer and fasting. Because we believe it became the culture of the church. It became, you know, we just want to make it a culture. It's just part of what... Part of what the culture of this. It's TV. part
1: of having a culture that's like the
4: Bible. Yes. If Jesus fasted and prayed all the time. We just time do it and early church, and that's who we are, that's what we want to do. And then also we go to places here at times we get after all prayer and fasting, we get the greatest persecution. We are rejected. We are pushed out. We face all these challenges. But what do we do? We come back to him thanking him that we've counted worthy. Because that's what he said. I mean the challenge is in the best of the disciples when they were doing the best things they faced persecution but we are not going to give up in the face of people died I have seen my own disciples die out of this I have been passed I have gone to prison five times they arrested five times one of the times I was arrested they tied my hands in such a way that my, my fingers could touch the back of my neck my chest was protrude like that and the guys had gone Waiting to shoot me. All they were waiting was just to shoot me. In my heart, I said, God, this is my day. I'm ready to come. But please, God, I want to die with one more person for you. One more soul. And let it be this commander. Give me the boldness that I will talk to him. I prayed about it. And I just had this boldness come over me. And I said to commander, commander, please, before you shoot me, I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal savior. I said, because commander, right now, You know, if you die, you don't have a place to go. You will not make it to heaven. I said, but if you shoot me, if I die, there are angels all around this place waiting to take me to heaven. But you know, but if you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, and then you turn around and shoot me, Commander Honest, Jesus will forgive you. I said, he loves you, Commander. He cares for you. His hands are widely open waiting to receive you. In my pain, I mean, everything just went away. As if... It was, they put anesthetics on me. I wasn't feeling the pain any longer. The commander looked at me. His boys had AK-47 waiting for command to shoot. He looked at me strangely and he said to his boys, untie this man, let him go. Something is wrong with his hair. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a normal man. <laughs> and so that's how they untied me. I left and few weeks down the road, this commander came looking for me. And when he came, I was scared that maybe he missed me the first time. This time he's Mm -hmm. going to get me. But when he came back, I mean, this is what he told me. He said, nobody has ever spoken to me the way he spoke to me that day. When people hear about him, everybody run away. He said, since that day, I go to bed and don't sleep. I've been like, your voice has been echoing to me. That's what I've been looking for. That's how we became friends. Out of the friendship, Commander got saved. I baptized him in the river Sewa. Today is a follower of Jesus. And some of these boys are my missionaries today, planting churches. The the reason why I'm saying this is that as we pray, just as Jimmy's, maybe we'll pray today to not happen today. It will not happen next week. But God is already moving in a way that he does his own miracles and supernatural work so that it is not about us. It's about him. And finally, when we pray, we are very careful that anything he does is not out of because we are praying. That because he wanted to do it. Yeah. And so therefore we normally say in all our prayers. Don't touch the glory of God. All glory belongs to him. All honor belongs to him. Right. All praise belongs to him. So it is very important we are conscious. And we have made our disciples conscious. That it is not our prayer that is going to do the work. It is what he decides to do. But we want to be obedient to do what he did. And do the lifestyle of Jesus.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast from Bill Hall, Jim Putman, and Shadonke Johnson. And just to echo something that Shinanke said, he said, God is already moving. It's not about us. It's about him. When things happen, it's not because we prayed, but because he wanted to do it. That's awesome. And as a reminder, he says, do not touch the glory of God. All glory, all honor and praise belongs to him. Amen to that. Thanks so much, Shinanke, Jim and Bill and Bobby for bringing us that amazing content. So, as I'm closing this episode out, just want to remind you guys November 4th and 5th of 2021, we're going to be having the National Disciple Making Forum in Nashville, Tennessee again. It's going to be an awesome time. Make sure you go over to discipleship.org and purchase your tickets now. And I will look forward to seeing you guys November 4th and 5th. Have a great day.